good to see everyone here today, and um, I've just come back from a week of leave, so it's great to be back with God's people today, I'm feeling refreshed. Um, before I start the message today, one thing that I'd love to do is just um, tell you about something I'm really excited about, and that's the completion of our building project. You have a look over there, it's hard not to notice. Uh, that's finally finished, and it's looking fantastic. Um, it's great that we can have this project completed, because previously we had one toilet on our side, now we have multiple toilets, so no more lines, everyone, that's really important. Um, we've got a mezzanine area, which is a multi-purpose area we'll be able to use for ministry, as well as the entrance to the Sunday school up the top, which will provide much safer access for the kids. Um, and also there's a multi-purpose room, which the, our Chinese brothers and sisters are using, the Chinese side, as an overflow area for their congregation too. So um, that building project's really allowing us to just do ministry better, to just do our mission better of loving God and making disciples. So um, just really thankful that it's finished. I'd like to thank um, the deacons who have been on our district branch building committee um, because it's hard work getting this stuff going. So um, that's Ping and Richard and Edwin. Can we just give them a thank you? <laughs> but most importantly, uh, the person we need to thank is to thank God. So let me just pray and thank God for this project that's come together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've blessed us so richly as a church. We thank you that you've blessed us with the means to build this uh, building project, that we've been able to enhance the space to help us to do ministry better. We do pray, Father, that we'll use this space for your glory, that it'll bring, uh, help more people feel at home here so that they can hear the gospel, so that it can be serving more people, and that ultimately more people will be coming to know and love Jesus better. So, Please help us to continue to steward what you've given us really well and help us to do that for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our friends, we're going to continue our Ephesians series today. Our series is called One, as we talk about what it means to be united in Christ and the implications that has for us in our lives. Um, I wonder, have you ever been called immature before? Have you ever been, I won't ask you to put up your hands. But have you ever been called immature before? It's not a nice thing, is it, when someone calls you immature, right? Or has someone ever told you, you need to grow up, right? You just need to grow up. Parents, perhaps you've said those words a few too many times to your teenage sons or daughters. Uh, maybe you've got a son who spends all day playing video games and um, not doing any housework or doesn't have a job or anything like that when they should be studying or working or doing something like that. And you say to them, you need to grow up. You need to grow up. Or wives, maybe you have a husband like that. That's definitely a situation where they need to be told, you need to grow up. When we talk about the fact that we're immature, when someone's immature, when someone needs to grow up, what's that? what that is actually saying is that we're not where we should be. We're not um, at the point of maturity yet. We're not at um, the end goal yet. It means that there's something lacking, that growth is needed, that we're far behind the point that we should be at. And friends, today as we look into our passage in Ephesians 4, what I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, as a church, is that that is us. We, as a church, we are immature. We need to grow up. We need to grow up. We're not there yet. Um, in this section today... The Apostle Paul, who was an early 
church missionary and pastor, is speaking to a church in Ephesus in modern-day Turkey. And he's saying to this congregation, you need to grow up. And this message is given to us in God's Word today to actually tell us as well that we need to grow up. We need to grow up. If you're not a Christian here today, uh, it's fantastic that you're joining us to hear God's Word. Um, And I want you to note something. As we go through this message today from God's Word, uh, one of the take-home points is that the church is not perfect. Right? We're so far from perfect. I want to just acknowledge that. We have so much growing to do. We're not where we should be. Um, but we'd love for you to see why joining us on this journey is a fantastic thing and that the end point, that is worth it. Okay. Okay. So that's just what I want to say. So we've got three points today coming up, sorry, coming up on the screen. So um, our sermon today has three points that we're going through. Is number one is act your age. Number two, bodybuilding together. Number three, and why maturity matters. So what we'll be thinking through is these three points. So keep that in your head. You've got an outline in front of you as well if you've received that at the door. Now just to give you a little bit of context where we're at, if you're just joining us for the first time um, in our book of Ephesians, um, we've just spent the last three chapters thinking about uh, theology. So this is the structure of the book of Ephesians. First three chapters is about theology, which is knowledge of God, which is truth. And Paul has just been outlining the amazing blessings of the gospel and what it means to be one in Jesus Christ. That's the first three chapters of the book. He's just reminding the Ephesian church about the truth that they have and what their reality is. But here we reach a turning point in the book, chapter 4. Chapters 4 to 6 now is the section where Paul gets really practical. It's time to put what we know into practice. And for the remaining chapters, he's going to get very practical. This is where the rubber hits the road. He's going to get very concrete. This is what we need to do in light of the gospel truth that we've been talking about in the first three chapters. So, if you open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians 4, verse 1, very important that you follow along with me. Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So this verse is the hinge in the book. Live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. And what is this calling? Well, essentially it's everything in the first three chapters of the book, this amazing gospel calling that if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you're united to him and you are one new family, right? Everything that he said before, but he sums it up very well in verse 4 for us. All right, so skip forward to verse 4. Ephesians 4, verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is his summary. Did you notice a word that kept coming up over and over? Well, let me help you. Have a look at the screen there. One. 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 This is what Paul is on about Because this is what the gospel is all about. Unity, oneness, togetherness in Jesus Christ. Remember, that's the key. In Christ. One in Christ. Oneness is in Christ. Look, there's one body, one spirit. If if you trust in Jesus Christ, you're, you're part of one body held together by the spirit. We are all part of one body. One hope. We have a hope for the future that's far bigger than anything else in this world. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One Lord, Jesus Christ. We share Him as our Savior. 
This is our common faith. This is the baptism that we're baptized into. One God and Father of all. And here's that amazing privilege again. It comes up over and over in the book. Did you notice that? That we get to be part of God's family. That we're adopted in. That we're made sons and daughters of the God of the entire universe. And together, we are the church. One people. One new humanity. In Christ. One this amazing reality, that's, that's ours, if you trust in Jesus Christ. And that is the calling that Paul is talking about. And his, what he wants us to do is live a life worthy of that calling, worthy of being one in Christ. And what's that look like? How do we do this? Well, have a look at verse 2 with me. Ephesians 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. All right. um, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And note verse 3 there. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We need to make effort to keep united. Something important to point out here, though, is um, that there's two types of unity on view here. Because let me tell you something. There's a truth here. We, we have unity already. That's what we've been talking about for the past um, four weeks, five weeks or so. We have unity already. But here we've been told we need to keep the unity as well. What's going on here? Well, I think there's two types of unity on view. Uh, there's spiritual unity and there's visible unity. As Paul's been talking about, spiritual unity, no, nothing can take that away from us. Because it's the Holy Spirit that's binding us together in Christ to be joined together as one body, one family. Because of His death and resurrection and the power to overcome sin and death that's, and the Spirit applying that to us, we are, we are joined together. Nothing can take that away from us. But if we think about our visible unity as a church, as God's people, uh, then we know the reality is a little bit different, isn't it? Because so often the church doesn't reflect the spiritual unity that we have. There is fighting. There is division. There, are, there is disunity. That's because while the power of sin has been broken, the presence of sin remains. You know that, don't you, brothers and sisters, that we're not perfect. The presence of sin remains. So that means that we still struggle. We still fight. There's still disunity, which is why this verse is telling us that we need to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Essentially, what Paul is uh, telling the church to do here is to act your age. Act your age. Um, it's like a grown man uh, who's at home who just plays with toys. Right? If he's just at home playing with toys, uh, whatever that might be, just gaming all day, 24-7, um, he's not really acting his age, is he? He's acting like a boy. He's a grown man. He should act like a grown man. He needs to act his age. And the same for us as a church is the reality is this. We are united. So we need to act united. We need to live as united people. We need to be one. We need to act our age. Our reality needs to re reflect the reality that we already have. Okay? The reality that we see in the church needs to reflect the reality that we already have. We need to act our age. And as we go back to verse 2, it tells us what it looks like to live for Him to live like this, to act our age. Verse 2 says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. All right. 
Now, I'm not going to spend too much time here because I don't think I have to convince you too hard about the fact that these are the qualities that you need for unity. Wouldn't it be fantastic if our relationships were characterized by these qualities? Humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Wouldn't that be fantastic if every one of our relationships looked like that? That's the intention that God has for us because this is how Jesus loves us. In humility, in gentleness, in patience. He bears with us in love when we hated Him and turned away from Him. Our vision for the church this year is to love like Jesus. Well, this is what it looks like, friends, to love like Jesus. And if we do this, then unity is um, a result of that. But unfortunately, more often than not, we don't live like this. In fact, we live the opposite of this. So often we're not humble. But what are we? We're proud, aren't we? Pride gets us off. And we, we walk into church and our pride can manifest in so many different ways. It can manifest in a critical spirit as we walk in through the doors and you start criticizing the music, start criticizing the message, start criticizing the service, start criticizing whatever it might be because you're holding yourself over everyone else. You're judging because you think you know better. Maybe that's a sneaky sin of your heart that no one else knows about, but that's just how you think. Or maybe it's complete, completely the opposite. You're, you're involved in our church quite heavily and you serve and uh, you're always here doing things for the church, you're serving the church, and you know what? That's a source of pride for you. That makes you self-righteous. You start to just think in little ways that you're different from everyone else. You're, you're better than everyone else because you actually do something when everyone else is just being lazy. They're not actually contributing at all. And you set yourselves above others. And you can see how they're just two examples of pride, but you can see how pride will tear apart your unity with others when you think that you're better than others, when you think you're above others, when you think others aren't as deserving as you. So often we're not humble, we're proud. But also we're not gentle often, so often as well. We're harsh. Friends, think about the way that you speak. Do your words come out as gentle words? Or are they unnecessarily harsh? Even if you're right, does the way that you bring your words across, is it in a way that loves people, that is gentle, that's sensitive to people? Or do people know you as a person that they're scared to talk to? You're intimidating. You, you push people away. How on earth can you have unity if you're like that? You can't, friends. Or how about patience? This is a hard one, isn't it? We're so impatient so often. Um, do you get snappy when things go just a little bit over time here? Do you, do you, do you get grumpy when um, you have to wait and light fellowship lunch, big line afterwards? You might, you know, might get a little bit grumpy at that. Do you, do you get angry when people don't do the things that you want? Impatience. And friends, bearing one another in love. One another in love. Do, we, do we love each other? That's just a question we always need to keep asking. We're, so often, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's not about the others. Now, friends, I wish I could say this wasn't me, but on any given Sunday, I could be struggling with one or more of these things because sin still lives here and influences me in a certain way. If you think about these things, these are the ingredients, 
the key ingredients for unity. But if we don't do these things, then we're going to be torn apart, friends. These are the things that tear us apart. And how do we do these things better? Well, we need to ask God for help because we can't do them on our own. So we need to pray. We need to appeal to God to change our hearts, to transform our hearts so that we actually will do these things, that we will want to do these things rather than follow ourselves and our selfish desires. Friends, we need to pray because it's a spirit that transforms our hearts. Satan is looking to tear us apart. And it's through the opposite of all these things that he slowly tears down the unity of the church. Don't let him get a foothold. Pray. But here's the beautiful thing about church, friends. We're here to do this together. We're here to help each other. Or our point to body building together. Open up to verse 7 with me. Ephesians 4, verse 7. Open up your Bibles there. Yep. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now, it's a little bit of a complicated verse. Uh, quotes a psalm, but let me try to sum it up for you. Um, verse 9 You'll see verse 10 talks about uh, the fact that God, uh, Jesus Christ, descended uh, to the earth, um, but the very one who descended to this earth, to condescend, to come down to this world, even though he's the king of heaven, has ascended higher than all the heavens. Right? He's sitting at God's right hand. He's the king. He's reigning there. And what's he doing? He's not just kicking back and enjoying things. Well, what does the verse tell us? He tells us that, um, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So the ascended king, reigning in power, Jesus Christ, he gives each of us gifts. He gives each of us grace. And what it's talking about here is not saving grace. It's not like one of us, you know, if you trust in Jesus, someone's more saved than the other. But it's talking about grace to serve him. Gifts of service. The context tells us about this. Verse 11. Open up to verse 11 with me. Ephesians 4, verse 11. Um, so Christ gave himself, himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Right. This is is the grace, the gifts that he's talking about. Um, the church, we've been talking a lot about unity, the fact that we're one, but it doesn't mean that this is some sort of like Christian factory that just pumps out people who are exactly the same and we all say the same things, we're like Christian robots, we're all the same and we act the same. Um, God has made us individuals, there's diversity in the church, and that's a brilliant thing because it's the diversity that God gives us that helps our unity. And we see that even in terms of these roles that's being talked about here. Uh, first of all, Paul talks about the apostles and prophets. And what's he talking about here? Well, um, the context tells us that he's talking about the apostles and prophets who had a unique role in history to speak God's word, right? To speak God's word, uh, which has been recorded for us here. Now, if you look at um, Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 20, it says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people 
and also members of his household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. It was through the apostles and prophets in that unique period of salvation history where they brought God's word to his people, that that is the foundation that has been laid. All right? So I think there's implications here that um, we aren't to look for more authoritative uh, prophets to tell us extra things. This is God's word that's been recorded for us here. This is the foundation that we need, and we need to trust in this. We don't need to relay the foundation, friends. All right? So that's what Paul is trying to point out, that these are gifts people who are gifts to the church, to lay the foundation for the church, but then there's others who come after that to keep ministering the word. Evangelists, they go out, they have gifts to tell the gospel. Pastors, uh, they're given to shepherd the flock. Teachers, who, which involves pastors as well, obviously, to bring the word to people. That's all, you've, of, all of you life group leaders as well, as you teach people the word of God week in and week out. There are specific people given to the church to do the work of ministry. But God has gifted these key people for a key purpose. So here's the people. And have a look at verse 12. What's it say? So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Verse 12. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Friends, we are here as a church to build each other up. Right? I count it an amazing privilege for me to be a pastor. I, people often ask me how, how are things in ministry and I often say to them, um, I'll, I'll, I don't want to be doing anything else in this world. This is what I love doing. It's such a privilege to be able to teach the Word, to sit with people and pray with them. Um, such a privilege. But something that I've come to realize very, very quickly is that I can't do this by myself. I, I, can't, I can't do all the ministry by myself. I, how, I can't fulfill the mission of making disciples of all nations by myself. And the comforti- comforting thing is, is that I was never meant to. Because what does verse 12 tell us? The pastors are given to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Scriptures tell me that my key role is to equip you, each one of you, to be serving to be playing your part in the body of Christ. Right? You all have a role. Um, I don't know if you ever commute to work, um, catch a bus, catch a train. Uh, I don't often do that, but occasionally I'll uh, catch a train uh, to work. And um, the brilliant thing about catching a train, what I really love is the fact that I can just relax. Do you love that about public transport? You don't have to focus on the road or anything. You don't have to road rage let the bus driver do that. All you do is just sit back and relax. You can uh, read a book, you can listen to music, you can podcast, um, and you just along for the ride and you just go wherever the bus driver takes you. Right? You end up in your destination. Now, friends, I wonder if that's how you think about church. Are you just along for the ride? Are you here to just sit in your seats and go along with wherever the pastor's taking you? Are you just here to relax and just go with the flow? Well, friends, that's not the picture that the Bible gives us. The picture the Bible gives us is this, that we are the body of Christ, in verse 12. The body. You know how a body works? Everyone's done basic anatomy. The body's got lots and lots of different parts. I can see a lot of doctors in the crowd that will back me up here. 
lots of different parts, and they all have to function well together so that the body can work well together. Right? It doesn't matter how big, it doesn't matter how little the, the part of the body is, it's, it's needed to make the body work. Uh, I play a bit of touch footy in my spare time, and um, I'm getting old now, so I get injured a lot more than I used to. And what, but one of the injuries that I quite often get, and it's a recurring injury that's really annoying, is I jar my thumb. Have you ever done that before? You know when you try and catch a ball? You know, basketball players, will know that anyone who plays a ball sport, and your thumb gets jarred, and it just hurts, and you, just, and you can't use it because it's so sore. And it's at those points that you realise how much you need your thumb, right? Because there's so many things you can't do without a thumb. Uh, you, you can't pick things up. You can't write. It's hard to even feed yourself because this little thumb is injured because it's not working as it should be. And friends, the way the body of Christ works is a little bit like that, that every member, every little part, no matter how big, no matter how small, is needed to help the body to function. When one part isn't working, then the whole body is affected. Friends, we need to see that we are all part of the body of Christ. If you trust in Jesus, if you're in Christ, you're part of the body and you have a role to play. You have a role to play. Every part matters. My friends, the first step to do this is to be willing. It's a heart decision. It's a heart change. It's to make a decision to love, to bring an attitude of love here. If you want to be part of the body, to be helping the body to grow together, you need to come willing to do that. You need to become willing to say, I'm going to do something for everyone else today and not to do things for myself. I'm not just going to be a passenger today. I'm going to participate and help the rest of the body to grow. That's a decision that needs to be made. Are you convinced of that? That's the first step. You need to be willing. And the second step is figure out what part of the body you are. Which part of the body are you? Now, we aren't all called to be pastors. God hasn't made us all like that, and that's okay. But what are you called to do as part of the body? What is, how has God made you? What are you good at? What, what, do, you, what do you thrive in? What, what drains you? What energizes you? Um, think about how God has actually made you. If you're an extrovert and you love talking to people, then use that gift for the sake of the church. Just talk to people. Welcome people. Say hello to people. Have conversations with people because there's plenty of people in the church that really struggle with that sort of thing. Right? If, you, if you are an introvert and that's really hard for you, then maybe there's things to do behind the scenes. Um, and I'm not talking about formal. Obviously, there's formal service that we've got heaps of ministries you can sign up to serve for. I'm talking about every day. What can you do? Well, maybe you can just help uh, the hosting team you know, with their setup and pack up after service. You know? Maybe you can help to organize things um, when we've got an event coming up, you know, maybe your gifts is organization, admin, things like that, things that I'm not that good at and I would love help in. <laughs> Think about how God's made you. Maybe you're not a good talker, but you're a great listener. So what a gift to the church that would be if everyone just sat and listened to each other a little bit more, found out how each, each other was going, and just prayed for one another. Maybe that can be your gift to the body, to just listen Friends, think about how God has made you. Think about the gifts He's given you. If you don't know what you're good at and what you're not good at, then ask, ask your family. They'll tell you. 
right? They, they won't hold back. Ask your friends around you. Figure, figure, out, figure out how God's gifted you. What you can bring to the church to help the body of Christ be built up, to mature, to grow up. Because we all need to grow up. But also let me say this. You don't have to be a superstar to serve in a particular area. Because there's things that we're all called to as Christians, aren't we? And I hope you've been getting this message over the whole year so far. We're all called to love each other. Right? So please don't say as an excuse, oh, I'm not good at loving people, so I won't love people. You can't do that. That's, Christ has made us to love each other. How that looks might be a bit different, but it's all the simple things, friends. We're all called to say hello to each other, to acknowledge each other's presence. We can all pray for each other. Prayer is something that all Christians are called to. We can, we can all help mind the kids of the parents in the creche so that they can actually have a break for a few minutes. You know, we can, we can all do little things like that to love one another. So friends, think about your gifting, but also remember, you, we're all called to love. How that looks might be different, but we're all called to love. And as we grow as a body, as we grow up, our aim is mature unity and knowledge. And this is why maturity matters. So if you open up to Ephesians 4, verse 13, so this is our final point, why maturity matters. Ephesians 4, 13. So Ephesians 4, 12, we skip back. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, and here's where we're heading, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, we, we as diverse individuals with different gifts, all made differently, different parts of the body, we're all working together as one to attain something. And what are we attaining? Have a look at this. The unity of the faith, all right? And of the knowledge of the Son of God. This is where we're heading. Unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Um, I said before that we're united spiritually already and that we need to attain this unity visibly. Here's another aspect to chuck in there just to confuse you. And we, now we need to get it. We need to attain it. What's that mean? Well, it brings out this concept of Scripture that's really important for us, this tension. And the tension is now and not yet. Right? There's a sense where we already have uh, the blessings of Christ, everything we have, everything now, but we don't have the fullness of all that, the consummation of that yet. Right? So we have unity of the faith already, don't we? We have that in Christ, but we don't have all that that entails, all the blessings of that, the fullness of that yet. We don't see that yet. Um, we have, what else, the knowledge of the Son of God. We have that. If you're a Christian, you have knowledge of the Son of God. You need that, but you don't have the fullness of that knowledge, that incredible, glorious revelation of His presence, being there with Him in perfection. We don't have that yet. This is the future. There is a day where we're headed, where perfection awaits, where we will have perfect knowledge of the Son of God, where we will have perfect unity of the faith together, where we will enjoy worship of God, where it will be eternal joy and there will be no more suffering or sin or pain. Everything will be brought to its perfection, its completion. That's where we're headed. I love everyone to be there in the end. That's where we're headed. We are heading there. One day we will get there. But friends, today is not that day. We're not there yet. 
So a message for the Christians here. Don't you ever think your journey's over. Don't you ever think that um, no ma- doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, don't, don't think that you've arrived, that you're somehow a graduate of grace, that I don't need to learn anymore. I don't need to know anymore. I, I know I've got perfect knowledge of the Son of God already, so I can stop. I don't need to be growing anymore. I I'm living out this unity well enough, so I don't need to be doing anything more. Friends, you haven't arrived yet. Every single day of the Christian life is growth. It's growing. It's a journey. And we'll be growing and growing and growing into Christ-likeness until that final day when he returns to us again. So don't get complacent. Don't think that you don't need to know Jesus more. Think about Paul's prayer all throughout the letter of the Ephesians, that we may know God better. This is the Apostle Paul talking here. Every day, he's seeking to know God better. That's the journey for us too. We need to grow up. We all need to grow up. Grow up to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we as a church, when people come and see who we are, that each day they'll think more and more that this church, it looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. What a, what a privilege that will be. But as we go on, why, let me tell you why this is so important. The question I asked before, why is maturity important? Right? Well, here's one of the, there's a lot of reasons for it, but here's one of the key reasons. Have a look, verse 4, verse 14. Chapter 4, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. We will no longer be infants. That's what Paul is seeking for us. That's what God's word is telling us today. Um, let me tell you something. Babies aren't mature, all right? I know that for a fact. I have one. They are very immature. They can't do anything except um, drink milk and sleep and poo and wee. That's what they do. They can't do anything. They are at the mercy of everyone else around them. They're at the whim of everyone else around them. If I want to pick up my baby Jacob, I can. If I want to take him somewhere, I want to make him do funny things. He can't do anything to stop me, all right? Because babies are babies. They aren't mature. And the picture here, um, it's almost ridiculous, right? It's of an infant being tossed around in the waves, right? It's a ridiculous picture. An infant being tossed around. Can you imagine a baby just in the sea being tossed back and forth, completely helpless? It would be a ridiculous picture if it also didn't paint a picture of immense danger. Pretty frightening actually, isn't it, to be in that situation. And Paul is saying to us, if you aren't maturing, if you aren't growing, if you aren't growing up, then that's like you, you're, you're like a little baby being thrown around by the waves, at the whim, at the mercy of everyone else around you. When people come and tell you something, you're just like, okay, I'll, I'll do that, I'll, I'll follow that. When someone teaches you something which is deceitful, then you just follow it. Uh, when, you, when someone brings a new fad, you know, a new philosophy uh, that they've discovered about uh, some pseudo-Christian thing, then you go, okay, that sounds good, I'll follow that. You're at the whim and the mercy of everyone else around you because you aren't mature. That's what Paul's warning about. He doesn't want us to be babies. He's saying you need to grow up. You need to grow up. And how do we do that? Well, have a look at Ephesians 4, verse 15 with me. 
Instead, so instead of being little babies, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Speaking the truth in love, this is the key. Speaking the truth in love. This is how maturity happens. This is how growth happens. What is the truth? What is the truth that we're called to speak? Or it can be nothing less than the truth. This isn't just talking about any truth. Sometimes this verse is used a bit out of context where if you've got to rebuke someone or tell someone something, then make sure you do that in a loving way. No, this is talking about the truth, right? The gospel truth. The truth that Paul has been praying that we know better throughout this entire letter. The, Paul, the, the, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ where Paul speaks of how high and wide and long and deep this love is, this incomprehensible love of Jesus Christ that he would come and die for us while we were his enemies, while we were rebelling, while we were sinning, while we were against him. This incredible love of Christ. That's what Paul is praying. We know better. And this is the truth that we need to speak to each other. The truth that Christ has paid the price for our sins. The truth that we can be redeemed. The truth that we are sons and daughters of God. The truth that we can have real hope and real eternal life. This is the truth that we speak to each other because this is the truth that matures and grows a body. There is no way, friends, no way as a church that we will grow if we don't have the gospel. Let me just say that now. There is no way that growth happens without the gospel. It doesn't matter how good our programs are. It doesn't matter how flashy things are. It doesn't matter how nice our building looks. If we don't have the gospel here, we are not growing. 100%. We aren't growing. Because this is God's ordained means for us to grow. It's, it's like trying to um, get healthy. It's like you trying to grow up or us trying to grow our kids without giving them food, seeing what happens. Without the gospel, we can't grow. We can't grow. Now, as we think about playing our part in maturing the body, this is it, friends. We need to speak the truth in love. Everything we do has to point to Jesus Christ. So let me say something about evangelism. Evangelism is the word that Christians use to say, you know, we go out and tell non-Christians about Jesus Christ. Very, very important. If you're not a Christian here today, um, we would love for you to know more about Jesus because we think this is the best hope in the world, right? That's why Christians go out and evangelize, to share about Jesus with people. But let me tell you something. Evangelism isn't just for non-Christians. Evangelism is for everyone because we're called to evangelize each other. The word means speak the gospel. So Christians, speak the gospel to each other. Evangelize each other. Don't just reserve it for your non-Christian friends. The gospel needs to be at the core of all that we do. We all have a role to play in this. We are all called to speak the truth in love. Friends, um, the command that's given here, it isn't just for apostles um, and prophets and pastors and teachers. It's for every single part of the body. So how can you speak the truth in love to someone today? Let's get practical as we finish. Perhaps, you know, we can share something about God's word to each other today. Um, After the service, what do you normally talk about? 
You know, what, what do we talk about normally? Maybe the week, how work's been going, things like that. But how about talking about the Word of God to each other? And if you're doing well, you might be doing something like this. You might be going up to people and going, how did you find the sermon? Or something like that. If you're doing well, you're doing about, let me step that up a bit better because this is talking about speaking the truth in love. So why don't you share something that you've learned to each other? Or maybe not even from the sermon, maybe from your Bible reading during the week. What, what have you learnt from the Scriptures? What's something that's really struck you that you can just share with somebody else? Um, if you're struggling to think about something, then maybe you need to be reading your Bibles more. If you don't have some truth that's impacting you during the week, then maybe you need to be getting into the truth more. That's just a basic fact. And we all need to be doing that better, don't we? Maybe it's just listening to someone's issues, praying for them, and pointing them back to Jesus Christ and the Gospel. Not just trying to provide easy fixes and solutions, but helping people look back to the cross to see the glorious hope that they have. Maybe that's what you can be doing, to speak the truth and love. Maybe it's just meeting up with someone one-to-one to read the Bible. What, whatever it is, let me keep it simple for you. Just speak the Gospel to each other. Speak about the Bible to each other. Can you, can you do that? That's a simple thing. But I think if, we're, if we all did that, it'll make a huge difference. So often we don't do that. We had a men's event the other week and we had some honest sharing. Why don't we do things like this? A big part of it is we're lazy. We can't be bothered. It's a bit awkward. It's a bit weird to do that. Well, friends, let's get over those humps. Right? Let's get past those barriers because God's word calls us to speak the truth and love to each other. If each one of us did our little part, what a difference it would make for the kingdom of God. What a difference it would make. We would be, instead of being a little boy church, we'd be a grown man church. Right? A church that would make a massive impact for the gospel in this world. It's time to grow up, friends. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us this amazing word that transforms us that grows us, that makes us new people and help us not to neglect it, but help us to keep speaking the gospel to each other in love. Let's do this. Help us, Father. Give us the strength to do it. Help us to overcome any barrier that's holding us back. That's what Satan wants. But you want us to be growing the body with each other. And we pray all these things in the power of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Iggy, for the preaching of the word. He said a grown-up church, not an old-man church. All right? Grown-up church, but not an old-man church.